0: Hi guys, welcome to a very special episode of the Indian Market Story. As you know, we've been doing this for over a year and our aim and our desire is to see India reach a $5,000 per capita GDP. So as always at the end of the year, we're going to review India's performance, particularly the market's performance this year, and look ahead to 2024 and what we can expect as investors from the market. I'm joined once again by Mr. Deepan Mehta, uh, who's here to talk to us about how the markets have done in 2023 and what to expect in 2024. So what have been the key themes of 2023 that have impacted capital markets in India?
1: So Arun, thank you very much for having me on this podcast. It's always been a privilege and a great deal of fun. And uh, all I can say is that I really bid farewell to 2023 with a lot of joy. In fact, if I can extend the year, I'd love to extend the year. Because it's been a great year for stocks, not just Indian stocks, globally stocks are on really very well. And when we started the year, we were in uncharted territory as far as uh, inflation and interest rates were concerned. But all of those demons have been uh, completely vanquished. And uh, as we go into 2024, it's almost, I would like to say, blue sky type of scenario. And uh, I think that the first few months will be phenomenally good for 2024. So I think great times lie ahead for the equity markets globally as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think, let me try and provide our viewers with some context. So we opened the year uh, with the Nifty at roughly 18,000 or so. And uh, we're closing the year at, I think, about 21,000, 21,500 or thereabouts, uh, which is an 18% return, which is above the long-term average return that the Nifty has generated. And uh, I know that, you know, I know you have a perspective on how it's performed as against global markets and we'll get to that in a second but even from a fundamental gdp perspective we we opened the year at about 3.3 or so 3.4 trillion dollars uh and we're closing the year at about 3.8 trillion dollars so seven, roughly seven percent or so in uh in growth in gdp and an associated growth in gdp per capita i think the figures vary based on you know who you talk to, but I think we opened the year at around two thousand four hundred dollars in GDP per capita, and we're closing the year closer to two thousand seven hundred or so uh, dollars in GDP per, ca- per capita, which is uh, which is an important milestone because as we talk about, we're here to see India hit five thousand dollars in GDP per capita, and this year we've crossed the halfway mark.
1: Yeah, we are on our path, and this is another good years. And I just want to add one more factor here that actual corporate profits also have gone up in the 20% plus type of range. And uh, corporate profits is what really drives uh, long-term bull markets. Of course, liquidity plays a very important role. And this was the year where we had uh, foreign inflows. And most importantly, we had solid uh, investments coming in through the SIP route mm-hmm. from the retail investors, which drove our markets, especially small mid-cap stocks, and those indices are done exceptionally well with 40% plus type of returns.
0: Yeah, and there's one stat in particular I want to try and talk about when it comes to uh, SME stocks. So as we know, there's been a lot of IPOs this year. I think even the uh, the most recent to come out has been the Ola Electric IPO, and the total amount that's been raised has been something around four and a half thousand crores, uh, somewhere thereabouts. But the total value of the applications that have been made for those IPOs has been something around 2.7 lakh crores. So I just want to reinforce your point. that There's a lot of domestic money and
1: even foreign money coming in hungry to invest in the Indian market. See, the IPO thing is a bit of a bubble if you ask me because especially SME IPOs are getting oversubscribed 100 times plus. Uh, And uh, I suspect most of the investors getting into these IPOs want to flip it from the retail side. And as far as an institutional investor is concerned, any allocation to IPO is instant profit and higher NAV for their fund. And frankly, I think high net worth investors and serious investors haven't really benefited from the IPO boom. But uh, the important thing is that one year down the line, two years down the line, when the company has got listed, accordingly, you'll get many more choices in the market. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of interesting companies have got listed and they provide a very specific exposure to very specific themes. Some outstanding businesses also have got listed like Mankind Pharma, uh, where I feel that Tata Technologies also sorry. Yeah, say, yeah. Where I'm very keen to look at them 6 to 12 months down the line, once the hype around their listing is over.
0: Yeah. So um, I guess all in all, a lot of positive themes for the Indian capital market. I'm going to try and give, you know, new viewers especially a sense of some of the challenges that have been uh, that have been present through the year. And I'll point out three really pertinent ones that that have maybe played out uh, and then we've moved on from. So I think at the start of the year, we had the Hindenburg report on Adani that acted as a bit of a shock to the system. Yes. Uh, somewhere around April, March, April, thereabouts, we had, you know, substantial fears of Bank collapses abroad. I think if we look at the SVB crisis where it you know, became illiquid uh, and a couple of other US banks, namely First Republic and Silvergate, also collapsed and the emergency buyout of Credit Suisse by UBS. So there was you know, some of those challenges through the year and um, also some really pertinent geopolitical challenges yes, okay. that, that threatened to upend the apple cart um, and always inflation. So,
1: so do you want to expand on some of these challenges and how the market has responded to them? See, I think the Hindenburg report certainly affected the Adani Group stocks and they had to withdraw their IPO as well, which was, I would say, quite a shock to the system per se. But at that point of time, the Adani Groups were not that widely owned. Over there, of course, they have got more and more institutional participation. And then somewhere around April, May, they got that GHQ to invest in them. GQG, par- GQG partners to invest in them. And then again, there was one more round of investment. So I think by and large, any risks arising out of Adani Group, they came and they have been overcome. And I don't think 2024 is going to be uh, you know, very, uh, I would say, detrimental or damaging for the Adani Group stocks. And they may go from strength to strength. So that's as far as that particular risk factor is concerned. Geopolitical. What can I comment? I think you know we've seen what happened in Israel, and uh, with Hamas. So something which we have to live with per se.
0: So one thing that I found very interesting, right? Um, this is a Middle East, Middle Eastern powder keg. You know, all the major Middle Eastern countries are at least tangentially involved. You know, major trade routes are involved. I think recently we've seen, uh, you know, some reports of the Houthis in Yemen attacking Indian ships in the yeah. Red Sea. In spite of all of that. Brent crude, which is India's most major import, has gone from $85 per barrel at the start of the year to $78 per barrel by the end of the year, which has been a boon to the Indian economy because, uh, you know, imports haven't spiked,
1: energy prices haven't spiked. And
0: that's that's been great for everybody.
1: Absolutely. And imagine the effect on inflation globally and in India. Yeah. So with the energy prices remaining benign for most of the year, of course, it's benefited our inflation fighting measures. And more importantly, I think it has benefited the Indian rupee as well. And I think this was a great year for the Indian rupee. It was amongst the best performing currency against all global currencies. Yeah. So so I think it's all interlinked. But generally, I think, very uh, virtuous circle uh, for Indian economy and uh, corporates, inflation, interest rates. On every parameter, I think we have a smile on our face. Don't you think so? (laughs) I
0: want to try and temper that enthusiasm, you know, because... uh... I think one thing you we were speaking about, you know, outside the podcast that I want to bring into the conversation is that, yeah, everything's, you know, all guns firing, all guns blazing. Uh, markets have 18%. But we're not the
1: only ones in this situation. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, you want to draw the numbers? Please, please go ahead. So NASDAQ did 43%, which is amazing. And we had the Nikkei, which did 27%. So many European markets did 20% plus kind of returns. S&P,
0: S&P 500
1: S&P did 500 25%. That's right. So I a way, we have underperformed. But then these indices had uh, corrected significantly in 2022. So they are playing catch up. And not many of them are at all time highs, but the Sensex and Nifty are at all time highs. So uh, it's you have to see not just the absolute return, but from where we have gone up in the base on which we have built. But nonetheless, I think uh, all markets are correlated. And if global markets are doing well as they're doing just now, then that does provide an impetus to our markets. And all I can say is that we have a fabulous risk on trade Mm -hmm. right now because of benign interest rates and some of the other geopolitical threats, commodity prices being on the lower side. And this risk on trade can take the markets even higher. So let's try and provide
0: uh, our viewers with a little bit of information, particularly on the interest rate side of things, yes. um, because I think that's a very important piece of information to have. And we'll try and put this up on the screen. But if I'm not mistaken, the federal funds rate has, through the year, climbed up marginal. I think it ended 2022 at around 3.5%. It's gone from 3.5% to 4.5% you know, uh, by the end of the year. Um, and the Indian funds rate, the Indian repo rate has gone down marginally. Yeah, I believe we, we started the year about six, six and a half percent. I think we've had a cut or two this year. No, we haven't had no cut. We have no cut. There was a pause. Sorry, that's not it's, it's been a,
1: all across pause, yes.
0: Yeah, and we're at 5.5%. But most importantly, next year the Fed has already announced that there should be an expectation of three cuts. And the inflation demon uh that, that you know all central banks have been fighting through this year. I think they're expecting that as the global economy Softens next year and supply chain constraints ease, that should come down. But particularly in the first quarter of the next calendar year, which is the last quarter of this financial year, uh, the RBI is forecasting inflation comes down back from five and a half percent, which is where it is roughly currently, to four four and a half percent, which is where it's meant to be for the RBI.
1: That's right, I think, and they are bang on target. And hopefully, if we have a good monsoon this year, then RBI should be within its inflation rate. But I just like to throw an interesting uh, macro statistic, since we are talking about macros, that in the beginning of the year, U.S. economy was expected to grow by just 0.5 percent, yeah, because of all the various challenges on the macro front. And as we are dwindling down to 2023, the growth is expected to be 2.6 percent. Yeah. So what we have is a fabulous soft landing, and uh, I don't think I've seen this kind of a soft landing ever in the U.S. economy having seen 2000 and having seen 2008 as well. I'm really pleased with the way the central bank has managed this yeah, particular yeah. challenge. Yeah, I mean,
0: I think I think uh, through this year and the last, Jerome Powell has taken a huge amount of flack. Yeah. You know, the whole, oh, the soft landing idea was, was poo-pooed away. But uh, it's looking more and more like he's done a fantastic job and, and he's roundabouts, right? I think if we get a mild recession next year or a slight softening,
1: it will be nothing compared to what we are expecting. And more importantly, they'll have, be able to reduce interest rates to fight that recession. Yeah, yeah, of course. So hats, hats off
0: to the Fed. Uh, they've done a very, very creditable job. So let's talk about now what we expect this coming year. So one number I wanted to try and you know put in front of you is this year the markets have done 18%. Uh, they're closing at roughly twenty-one and a half thousand. Nifty, yes. Yeah, the Nifty is closing at roughly twenty-one and a half thousand. We expect next year to be a good year. So let's say we take we you know repeat the same performance, twenty percent growth, that puts us at twenty-six thousand for the Nifty by the end of the next year. Now, when I saw that number, I thought that's that's a bit much. You know, that sounds crazy. But I wanted to share this logic with you just so I can get your thoughts on it.
1: Right. I think that, uh, you know, forecasting the nifty is a very tough choice. And while it's easy to extrapolate that, OK, we'll get another 15, 20 percent return. And sure, as we speak just now, it does seem possible. Corporate profits are strong. Inflation interest it's under control. Macroeconomic factors are favorable. So I think we can't find any single risk factor which can derail this bull market. But mind you, in my 30 years experience, uh, there are a lot of googlies which come. And there are many uncertain events which do happen. So we should be, uh, I would say, moderately optimistic and not get carried away with this bull market. And there's a clear message to investors that everything looks rosy, but there are unknown unknowns. Known unknowns are what they say, I don't know. So we should be careful about those um, risk factors as well.
0: So in the year going ahead, what do you expect to see from the economy, from corporates, markets? Generally, why don't we talk about what investors should expect?
1: First of all, Varun, is a year of elections. So the most important and defining moment of 2024 is going to be the Lok Sabha results. See, part of it, I think, got uh, the uncertainty around the elections got uh, abated with the recent state election results, mm-hmm. where BJP got a thumping majority in three states. Uh, so to that extent, that risk factor has certainly diminished, but it is not out. Mm-hmm. That's one part. There's in November 2024 the US elections, mm-hmm. and Donald Trump, can you imagine, is uh, might leading, be back. Yeah, might be back. He's a leading candidate from the Republican side, and that will have its own repercussions. Positive for India, I would say so. So, uh, and there'll be other state elections also through the year. So, it's going to be a lot of election uh, campaigning and a lot of uh, 2024, the year of politics. Yes, the year of politics, and typically of politics does do well uh, for the capital markets. And I expect the government to rev up its spending, complete long drawn projects. So from an investor's perspective, look at capital goods stocks. Mm-hmm. Because uh, a lot of projects will get awarded and a lot of projects will get completed. So from that point of view, stocks like and Tobro, ITD cementation, or Jay Kumar Infra, all these companies will suddenly do I mean, they're doing well, but they may do much, much better. Yeah.
0: And for and for viewers that want a much more deeper dive into that, we'll try and link a card so they can see the podcast that we've done on that
1: subject. That's right. So that's one thing. Secondly, I think that uh, the year 2024 also uh, should see revival of uh, the large cap stocks. So in India, what has happened is that the mid cap stocks are given 40% type of returns, but the index is only up 16, or I would say only up 16.67%. But Bajaj Finance, HDFC Bank, Kotak Bank, Reliance Industries haven't performed as well. They are like single-digit returns. Mm -hmm. I expect that trend to reverse.
0: So I want to ask a question about that because this is something we often speak about. So when domestic retail money comes into the market, it comes into mid-caps, it comes into small caps, it also comes a little bit into large caps. But when foreign institutional money comes in, it comes primarily into large caps. So how does that, how does foreign money play into this trend of large caps, you know, lagging behind?
1: See, Varun, a lot of uh, FI money is coming in through ETFs or they are benchmarked to MSCI or some other index. And these large cap companies have, of course, because of their size, have the highest weightage over there. So minute you get money over there, it goes straight into these large cap stocks and they have to buy it almost instantaneously. So they make the price. The FIs make the price for their price makers for these large cap stocks and the volume with which they buy is what these, what takes these stock prices higher. Yeah, uh, It's nothing compared to what retail investors can buy. And from a valuation perspective, no, because these stocks are not performed as well, you can still ex- uh, see them trading at a reasonable valuations. Mm-hmm. And underlying fundamentals are good. Corporate profits are strong. So when you look at the entire spectrum of the market and you want to invest in stocks which are reasonably valued, then these stocks certainly fit the criteria.
0: So you expect in 2024, we're going to see the year of large cap revival.
1: That's right. And I would like to add one more thing over there, that while 2023, we saw investor portfolios outperform the Nifty and Sensex, I don't think it's going to be that easy unless a portfolio has got a whole host of large cap Nifty or index stocks. Mm -hmm. So we should be mindful of that fact that don't expect the same kind of portfolio returns, Although the market will do pretty well and you may have a situation where you are underperforming the market. But that's fine. It's part and parcel of investing. Okay. So, I guess just to summarize, the year of politics and
0: the year of large caps. Anything else that investors should keep in mind when thinking about the coming year?
1: See, I think the coming year also, uh, you may witness some of the sectors which have done badly to come around very strongly. Like Bank Nifty has not done as well. And banking stocks, of course, he spoke of HDFC, Kotak. they're part of the bank, Nifty. So I think a lot of banks should start to do much better Mm -hmm. uh, because the economy is doing well. So Mm -hmm. credit growth is good. Mm -hmm. And NPA cycle hasn't turned negative. So that's one sector Mm -hmm. I'm positive on. Large cap software companies. Mm -hmm. So what has happened is that these large cap software companies have got massive contracts and orders, multi-year, multi-million dollar. Mm -hmm. But execution is slow Mm -hmm. because the... Fortune 500 companies, the U.S. corporations do not have the confidence. But with U.S. economy stabilizing, I think a lot of technology spending will pick up. Mm-hmm. Discretionary spends will come back. So I think that large cap IT likes of TCS, Infosys, Wipro, which have underperformed, they will also come back into the reckoning. Mm-hmm. And, and last but not the least is pharma. Pharma stocks have done well last two, three quarters. But next year, 2024, will be good for pharma companies as well.
0: You know, it's interesting that, you know, banks, financial services, IT services and pharma are, if you go back historically over 10-15 years, they're like the bellwethers of the Indian economy. That's and right. in this last year, even though all three were in trouble, you no, know, the economy was still doing well, the markets are still doing well. So in the next year, when all three start firing again, as, you know, credit expansion accelerates, um, you know, IT outsourcing, you know improves and grows rapidly and pharma also grows rapidly i would think 20 i would hope 2024 will be better than 2023
1: yeah and agriculture because last year the monsoons were mixed it were not bad it picked up towards the end uh, but this year monsoons will be important mm-hmm. and actually we should flag that as a risk factor yeah because uh, two back-to-back soft or poor monsoons can certainly dampen the sentiment and impact economic growth rates. But if the monsoons are good, then agriculture also will start to kick in.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I think you, you bring up a really good point about rural demand. Uh, but I don't think the monsoons are going to have as big an effect as we think. Because, yeah, too bad monsoons always has a has a negative effect. But you have to remember that 700-800 million people in this country are still rural or semi-rural. And it's an election here. So better yeah. believe... Money will come to the pockets. Yes. Absolutely. Better believe money will come into their pockets. It's just how elections in India work. So I think the expectation should be that rural demand will rev up in the run-up to the elections.
1: You're right. I think that's a fair assumption. But um, uh, broadly, I think that agriculture, which has one3 like 1.4% type of growth rates, that should start to inch up. And the beneficiaries of that would be FMCG companies. Mm-hmm. Uh, To an extent, even automobile companies, two-wheelers especially, Mm -hmm. appliance companies. So there are many... And once again,
0: FMCG companies, two-wheeler companies, automobile companies, done podcasts on all of them. Yes. Please go watch them. We'll try and link them above over here so you can go straight if you'd like to. Um, But yeah, it's, I think,
1: interesting, interesting times ahead. Absolutely. And um, I think that, uh, well, let's be a little temper our optimism also, Varun. Because um, something can always go wrong in the economy, geopolitically. The wild card remains, oil prices, monsoon. And that's not just right off the elections. If anything negative were to happen on that front, then that will affect the sentiment more than the actual underlying corporate profits.
0: Absolutely. Um, I guess we've given investors the relevant cautions. But maybe let's try and be a little positive. Because, you know, I know, okay, Elections are a risk factor. Everybody gets that elections are a risk factor, but they're not a fundamental risk factor. Yes. The fundamentals of this country are overwhelmingly positive. And perhaps let's try and leave our viewers in and you know the investors that join in and tune in every week with us with a positive message on what to do with their money. Because I think you and I both believe that over 3, 5, 10, 15 years, India is on a really positive trajectory. And now's a
1: good time to, be, uh, to invest in that trajectory. Absolutely. So, our suggestion from PSA Smart is that to go for long term uh, go for long term investing in large cap stocks. You know, stocks which have underperformed, and we already gave those names: mm-hmm. large cap IT, large cap private sector banks, um, uh, large cap pharma companies. I think they should be the focus area of investors, and incremental capital should flow over there. Yeah. Right. And at the same time, I think uh, they should not chase stocks. Take leverage positions or futures positions because come what may, you know, all bull markets have severe corrections which shake out a lot of investors. Yeah. So we haven't had a correction in a long time. So, by law of averages, I think you can expect uh, there to be a deep correction. Deep correction means 10, 12% on the nifty, 15, 20% on individual stock level in 2024. What the reasons are, I don't know, Varun. But something my gut feel tells me that you should uh, factor in a correction. So really, so one second, I want to I try and dig into this because
0: I think you and I are maybe coming from somewhat different positions here. Because I see 2024 as blue skies ahead, no no barriers in the way. But you're expecting
1: a correction? Just purely from law of averages point of view that we haven't had a deep correction. Bull markets just keep on, cannot keep on going up. Uh, at some point of time, there could be a shakeout. It could be a reason which is totally unknown at this point of time. And it can recover also quite fast. So you may have a situation where Jan to December, net-net, it's on a positive side. But in between, you can expect a lot of volatility in the stock markets. Okay, fair enough. And to kind of secure yourself from the volatility, go with large-cap blue-chip stocks. Fair
0: enough. I think that's really solid advice for our viewers. Um, And, you know, I think on a completely different side note, I think if anybody's still watching this video... um, I want to I want to take a second to thank all our viewers because from a personal perspective of here it's also been a really really rewarding year. Um, I think we started this meaningfully this podcast meaningfully in this year, and we've gone from you know a few hundred viewers to a few thousand viewers, and that's something that's incredibly exciting for the two of us and the wider team at Passasmart Smart that uh, that puts time effort and energy into this podcast. And really from that perspective, I want to take a second to thank our viewers for making this a truly fantastic year for us. And uh, I, want to, I want to make a promise to our viewers here that we're only just getting started. Um, I'm sure that many of you all have seen that we've launched a second series, the Pesa Maker Stock Series. There's another series coming on the Indian economy and then another series after that to, uh, you know, liven up your day. And... Um, Truly, I can only request that you stick with us through this next year, through 2024, because truly big things are coming and uh, it's truly a privilege to have you on this journey with us. Thank you so much. Uh, we wish you the happiest new year and all the happiness, peace and prosperity in 2024. Thank you. This podcast is produced by Elixir Equities Private Limited, a SEBI registered research analyst. Registration number INA 00004787. The information provided in this podcast is for educational and informational purposes only and should not be considered as investment advice. Investment in securities market are subject to market risk. We strongly advise all investors to read all related documents carefully before investing.